1: Hey, everybody, it's Dan. This is our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Mary Kay Ellis and I are going to have you feeling great about Sunday's divisional matchup with the Chiefs. We are each going to give you a reason why the Browns can win the football game and advance to the AFC Championship game. Before that, uh, for Football Insider subscribers, we'll be doing our Picks Pod live. We record that on Thursday night. We're going to record it at 7 o'clock. And you can be a part of that Zoom call, but you've got to be a Football Insider subscriber. You've got to be uh, part of our texting group. Uh, to check it out, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get more information and to get yourself signed up. So now, on to our Thursday pod. And away we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ellis Williams, and we are going to have you feeling good about Sunday afternoon's playoff game after this podcast because we are all going to answer this question. How can the Browns beat the Chiefs on Sunday? Or if we really want to make it sound good, why will the Browns beat the Chiefs on Sunday? These are not official picks. We're just, we're playing the hypothetical game. If the Browns beat the Chiefs, why is it going to happen? Mary Kay, why don't you kick us off here? Uh, Why can the Browns beat the Chiefs on Sunday?
2: Well, you know, I'm going to choose the same reason that I felt so strongly about the Browns being able to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. After talking to those guys all week long, uh, participating in all those interviews on all those Zooms, they were so sky high confident to win that game. They wanted it more. I knew by the time we got to the end of the week, by the time we got to Saturday, that the Browns were going to be playing with their hair on fire. And... You know, I, I had known that obviously we all knew that the, uh, the Steelers rested some of their starters the week before and uh, and they just were not ready for the, the tornado that hit them in Pittsburgh. And I actually asked Andy Reid about this uh, today on the conference call. You know, your team has been off for a couple of weeks now, or your starters at least have been off for a couple of weeks and you guys won the super bowl last year are you as hungry as you were the browns are a hungry hungry football team with their backs once again against the wall getting some disrespect again i feel like it's again the perfect storm
1: yeah it's um this is there's there's a couple parts to this right it's the rest versus rust argument and the chiefs have a chance to maybe be a little bit rusty and we've seen the browns can start fast uh, but also there's this idea that, like you said, Mary Kay, the Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champs and you don't really see a lot of teams go back to back in the NFL. It doesn't happen very often. And, and there's a reason for that. Some of it is fatigue. Uh, you know, these are long seasons. You know, the Chiefs played in the AFC championship game the year before last. Um, some of it is you know, maybe you, you're just not as hungry as another team in a one and done situation. Uh, if it's a series, it's different. But these aren't series; these are one and done. And if a team catches you on the right Sunday, they can get you. So, yeah, I think there's, uh, I think there's something to that for sure. That the Browns could maybe take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really, I really do think so. I think that uh, that the Chiefs might be spending a little too much time away from away from football, and that it might not work in their favor.
0: Yeah, Mary Kay, I think that's a great point, and it, it it ties into the the narrative surrounding this Browns team right now, in the sense that they're so much like their head coach, where that sure after the game you see them enjoying it, you know, soaking it in. Browns is the Browns, that type of stuff. But then by Monday, and it, you know, even into the evening on Sunday night, and on social media, you you don't hear about a Juju Smith Schuster or a Sammy Watkins type comment coming from this group because they just become their head coach and they're even keel and they're not too high or too low. Again, you know, the only low moments of the season, you think um, like, you know, the jets game, you know, you could tell Kevin's fancy was pretty irritated and Baker had that one answer walk off and you're like, eh, I don't know, is, all right, how's this, how are they going to respond here? And they just get back to business and, and they, they ride it out. So there is something to, to your point about just the steady wave of momentum they're riding. And I'm not huge in where narratives dictate on field performance, but there is something about this group right now that they're just in it. They're locked in. And like you guys said, this chief's offense is going to be 20 days removed from competitive football once they kick off.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you, you mentioned that too, Ellis, the whole kind of their approach and, and what we've heard from them, because, you know, look, every team is going to say it, right. Hey, we're in the tournament, anything can happen. Right. I really do get that sense from the Browns that they didn't you know, everybody throws around the words house money and, you know, this is whatever they do is bonus. I sure don't get that sense when I hear these guys talk and I hear how they approach this.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. with Mary Kay, I want to ask you this. Uh, Baker really caught my attention today with the Sammy Watkins response. Like he had a chance to be old Baker there and, you know, kind of go back at him a little bit. And he gave a perfect answer, uh, you know, like a, a, an accurate one. Like, yeah, you know, look, these guys should be confident, but we're about our business. Like did that, I don't want to say surprise you at all, but do you think it speaks to the maturation process of Baker Mayfield in the second half of the season?
2: It was a strategy. It it was (laughs) a strategy. Yeah, they're, they're going to use that. They will absolutely 100% use exactly what Sammy Watkins said. And they will use what Chase Claypool said. They will use it. They might not be able to work themselves up into the exact same lather that they did for the Juju Smith quotes, which, I mean, I'm telling you, do you you guys remember what happened when the San Francisco 49ers and Nick Bosa used the, the flag planting against Baker? I mean, he played he played with his hair on fire in that game there is an emotional, motivational side of this game that is enormous. Now it affects some people more than others. You've got the Joel Petonios of the world that will always say, nothing external motivates me. I'm internally motivated. And you know, that's just how I roll. Well, there, there are plenty of other players that, that get their game face on uh, with bulletin board material. And Juju did them a huge, enormous favor in that game. I think uh, to a little bit of a lesser extent, Sammy and Chase, not so much Chase because he plays for the Steelers, but Sammy, it was sort of a genuine, because I think his response might've come during the game. It was sort of like a, just a, you know, like off the cuff, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, like he meant that (laughs) and they're, they're going to use that. They are going to use it. So I think Baker's uh, quote today about, you know, how he seemed like, oh, you know, I had no problem with it. <laughs> well, that, that is not what's going on behind the scenes and not what will go on behind the scenes on Saturday night and Sunday.
0: Yeah, Mary, I completely agree. And I think that adds to what I'm trying to say about Baker. Like maybe old Baker gives the media that, that line and that response yeah. instead right. it's all staying in house. Cause you're so right about the juju stuff. You guys were there that defense was letting juju have it every second from the jump of that game not to get into you know side drama here but man where they add Juju Smith-Schuster's head in a you know a legal
1: way John Adam um they definitely use that and we saw that through the night
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and some of it is going back to um you know that fast start thing right as soon as that as soon as that ball goes over Ben's head and you've got a seven nothing lead Juju's gonna hear about it and then yeah. Ben throws an interception Juju's gonna hear about it and, and that's where that stuff really starts to add up if the Steelers take that opening drive and score Okay, it's
0: the Browns point. don't have a
1: leg to stand on if they want to go at Juju. But when mm-hmm. things start to snowball, all of a sudden, now, hey Juju, we're we're going to be on you this whole game, and it just kind of snowballs from there. So um, that it's it can be a momentum thing sometimes as well. Uh, if if a team is w- just waiting for that one opportunity, much like uh, much like Nick Bosa was waiting for that opportunity to plant that flag, um, mm-hmm. that that can certainly make a difference. Okay, Ellis, give us reason number two why the Browns can beat the Chiefs.
0: Yeah. For me, and it's, it's a lot like Mary Kay's, it feels real. It feels tangible. And that's what I like about this exercise. You know, we're not just throwing darts to the board here. We're not grasping for straws. These things feel like they can happen. So for me, it's Kevin Stefanski just outcoaches Super Bowl champion head coach Andy Reid. And I know it does sound a little crazy off the cuff, but similar to the, the, the first way Mary Kay proposed, it falls back into this narrative and this steady momentum that the Browns are carrying. And look, Alexander Pope called a great game on Sunday night and Mary Kay. This is probably something we talked about in the offseason. but like, I wonder if he's going to get um, play calling offensive coordinator chances elsewhere now, just after that one game. Cause it just was impressive that screen. He had that signature moment. We talked about that in the post game, but still Kevin Stefanski's fingerprints were all over that game plan the the concept to get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands that quickly these are these guys are collaborating in-house and you can tell Kevin Stefanski was a part of that mm-hmm. so perhaps we're just watching the accelerated rise of one of the sharpest brightest best play callers in football and while the momentum is there and the kettle's hot and they haven't the defensive coordinators league haven't had an offseason to figure Stefanski out yet so to say maybe he just keeps going and he has his uh, almost crowning moment without scheming Andy Reed. Uh, you know, there's ways to attack this chief's defense. Listen to God and watch the tape. We'll, we'll unpack all that on Friday for you guys. And I would not, I just wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Stefanski pulls the right levers and is unlabeled uh, is able to unlock that. Now, of course, things got to go the right way. If the chiefs punt, you score points. That's how Kevin Stefanski can both have a a master game plan, but then also play opportunistic football by taking advantage of those low points Mary Kay is proposing from the Chiefs. And if it just all comes together for 60 minutes in a single elimination game, it it can happen. And I I, I think that that opportunity is there for Kevin Stefanski. It's a high bar to clear, of course, but it's not out of this world.
2: Well, you know, Kevin Stefanski and and Andy Reid have a, a lot of overlap. They come from, Uh, basically the same coaching tree it's all kind of handed down and uh, they all uh, come from the same family really and uh, so you will see a lot of similarities and I'm sure that Andy Reid is somebody that he has absolutely uh, admired and borrowed from you know over the years and and thought about how Andy does things and actually he was with Brad Childress uh, I believe they were in Philadelphia for a year together. So he was actually interning, uh, on the staff when Andy was, was the coach that year. Um, so I really do think, uh, that, that you will, you know, see some similarities there now to, to out coach Andy, that would be quite a feat because Andy, we all know is, is brilliant. And Andy has had an extra week to get ready for this. Now he obviously didn't know who the opponent was going to be, but they started watching a bunch of different teams. They they had an idea of who it might be, uh, so they were getting ready uh, for this team a week ahead of time. And and they you know they will be very well prepared and very well coached because that's who they are. But when you look at the Cleveland Browns, it's it, they have so many different weapons on their offense now with a complete offensive line right in front of it all uh, that it's just humming along. I mean, it, they hit their stride at the same time. I think the, the, the chiefs started to show a few little chinks in their armor. Patrick Mahomes has four interceptions in his last three games, three coming against the dolphins. Uh, I asked Andy, Reid about that today. He's like nothing to worry about. Um, but you know, they didn't get, they weren't get necessarily getting hotter and stronger just as they were hitting the playoffs. The Browns were, I mean, they like the lights kept coming on and then the lights got brighter and then the lights got brighter, except for that Jets game, of course. Um, and they, they just, they're nailing it. I mean, red zone, third down, whatever. And, uh, so you just almost have to wonder how it's all going to come together, but there's the Patrick factor. I mean, Patrick is like spaghetti sauce. You know, he can cover up for a lot of ills. You know, you just pour it on there and whatever else is going on, he can make the magic. So it'll be very interesting.
1: Yeah, Andy Reid, after a bye in his career, uh, I believe I have to add one to this total, 19 and three in the regular season, uh, five and two in the postseason. So this is a guy that that certainly wins a lot of games after buys. But Ellis, I think to your point, there's more to this than just, you know, scheme versus scheme and play caller versus play caller. There's also the whole game management side of this. And that is an area where Andy Reid certainly has improved, but he's also had his hiccups. And even last year, I kind of joked in the Super Bowl, he had to run out that clock. And there was no chance they were going to blow the game, but he had to kind of like do the math on the time to figure out what they needed to do on the last play of the game uh, to actually get that thing to zero. And so he's had some time management issues. He's had some some timeout issues, and that's an area where you know the Browns have really put together this structure where I mean they have meetings during the week, and I'm sure that look they're not the only team that does this, but they have meetings during the week where they're going through these situations and. There's somebody in the booth who's helping advise Kevin Stefanski on when to use challenges, when to go for it. You know, we're not going to see that Mike Prefer challenge that we saw the other night uh, when, when it was pretty clearly a catch. So the game management stuff could be an area where maybe the Browns and Kevin Stefanski get a little bit of an edge against Andy Reid, especially if, you know, the scheming and the play calling ends up being a wash.
0: Yeah, Dan, I totally agree. It's, it's the margins where the Browns could find an advantage against a Chiefs team that just isn't always buttoned up, like you're saying, to the point of them starting slow and Andy Reid having some time management issues at the end of games. They also are really the only team in football that throw to close out games. And they do so because it's Patrick Mahomes and that's the best player in the world right now, so keeping the ball in his hands makes sense but is there just you leave yourself open to the the unknown to the what if if throwing the ball when you're trying to drain the clock and nurse a lead goes wrong against a Miles Garrett tip ball or just something freakish happening all of a sudden the browns have an opportunity to go win the game so there's just these little oddities that the chiefs show their tendency to get down in games their tendency I mean, they've won, what is it, a record six games in a row now by one score, and there's plenty of data out there that just says that, you know, one-score games are really just randomness. Like, that's how they're decided when it comes down to a penalty or a, a turnover or whatever, yet the Chiefs are doing this. So is it just Patrick Mahomes is the difference maker, or are they ripe for an upset and things could break the Browns way all of a sudden? It's why they play the game. But there are, like you said, Dan, plenty of other factors outside of just Kevin Stefanski having a master game plan and outdoing Andy Reid.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is you can't – you're not going to come back from every 10-point deficit. (laughs) Uh, They're on a little bit of a run here doing that, going back to the postseason. Eventually, that's going to end. Uh, It's just the nature of of the game. Okay, my reason is just sort of how I think the game is going to play out. And I think it speaks to some of that randomness that you brought up Ellis and just the randomness of what can happen in a one and done game. I think the line on this is still 10, which I think is, I think this is going to be a close game. And I think that way, because I think it's going to be a shootout. I feel like this is going to look a little bit like the Ravens game. And we're going to have these teams punching and counter punching. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of punts. I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of field goals. I'm curious if, Maybe this is the week when Kevin Stefanski gets a little aggressive going for two in in some spots. Um, I think this is going to, there's going to be a lot of points out there. And when there's a lot of points you can get to a situation where it comes down to whoever has the football last. And maybe this scares Browns fans. Maybe this is a game that rests on the the foot of Cody Parkey at the very end, or the Browns making sure they don't score with 90 seconds left, that they score with 15 seconds left. And, And so I think, I think that's really where you can find a hope for me is this could be a shootout and the way this offense is playing and the way Baker Mayfield is playing, you know, I think this team can, can play with anybody in a shootout.
2: I I 100% think that this team can play with anybody in a shootout too. I went on, I think I was on Kansas city radio the other day and they were asking, uh, can, can the Browns get into a, a shootout? And I was like, Wait a minute. (laughs) Have you not? Did you not watch the game the other night? You know, uh, they've scored. I think they've had an equal amount of forty-point games to the the Chiefs this season, I believe. Um, But you know, yes, absolutely, they can they can hang in a shootout because, as we mentioned before, they are humming along now, and they are just lethal in the red zone. You get anywhere near that darn red zone, they're scoring touchdowns. Three out of four times, they're scoring a touchdown in the red zone. And as Case Keenum mentioned to me the other day, uh, Baker is built for the red zone, just arm strength, uh, you know, just his shiftiness and his accuracy is built for that tight window of the red zone. And he's just got it going on in there now. Um, The other, the other thing to consider in this whole thing is, uh, is Kareem Hunt. I mean, Kareem Hunt is going to have that over-the-top emotion and he's he's gonna bring it we you know we've already been hearing about what he feels about that and uh and and I think that and he'll be part of he'll be part of that shootout and a big part of it because a shootout for the Browns includes a running game (laughs) it includes big running plays big chunk home runs on the ground so and Kareem can bring that both in the passing game and in the running game. So shootout, heck yes. The Browns are like, bring it on. You want to go 48. We'll show you 52.
0: Yeah. Mary Kay. I'm so glad you mentioned the running game because I worry that when we say shootout fans think Baker Mayfield's just going to throw it all over the place and Baker Mayfield could easily throw for five touchdowns in this game. He just threw for three last week. But my point is that to win in a shootout against this chiefs team, The running game must play a major factor because if you go back and look at really the only uh, wart on the Chiefs schedule this year, it came against the Raiders and they had explosive plays. Don't get me wrong. Henry Ruggs had a 72 yard catch. Uh, I think he finished stat line was like two catches for 162 yards or something like that. They stretched the field, but Josh Jacobs had 22 carries in that game and the Raiders uh, had like 34 uh, minutes time of possession to a lower 20s Chiefs time of possession and they win the football game. So that's the ability to – the blueprint's out there, and and the Raiders showed that. It's trade blow for blow, but have a running game that still limits the amount of points Patrick Mahomes can score because, in theory, you run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, but that's a lot harder to do than to actually apply on the field. But the Raiders showed it, and if there's any team that can replicate it, it's the Browns. Doug Lee Marie said this today on the Gotta Watch the Tabies. He just made a point where it's like, I could see the Browns nursing a lead with five minutes to go. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes just doesn't get the ball back. And that won't be that Patrick Mahomes couldn't beat the Browns. It's just Kevin Stefanski was able to keep it away from him. And to, to, to Dan's point, that is a, a, a lane here. And Mary Kay, like you said, how the running backs are going to be such a, a focal point of this attack, even though we're projecting a shootout. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think the other thing to remember too, like, like you both said, a shootout doesn't mean passing. It also doesn't mean that there won't be big defensive plays. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm, I actually just, I wanted to look this up, but we all remember that chiefs Rams game, you know, a few years ago. And when you kind of close your eyes and think about that game and think about the players who had a big impact on that game, one of the names that comes into your head is Aaron Donald. So even if it's a shootout, this is a game where miles Garrett or Denzel Ward can make a play for the Browns or, Chris Jones or, uh, Frank Clark can make a play for the chiefs. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there can't be a game changing defensive play too. And, and so that, that almost just adds to it. Cause maybe one of those plays turns into a short field and a score, or maybe just the defense scores or something like that. So, uh, shootouts can look very different, but, uh, it, I think it also kind of increases the randomness if it's not just, Kansas City getting the ball over and over again and scoring. If it's Kansas City scores, the Browns score, and you just go back and forth, and you're waiting for that one defensive play or that one punt or, or something, that one bad coaching decision to, to go to not go for it on fourth down and, and punt the ball away from the 46 yard line. You're just waiting for that one thing to sort of swing the game in one team's favor.
2: I hope there are some big defensive plays. I I can't stand the NFL looking like a, a college game. I, I don't want to see. <laughs> you know, Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. I don't, I don't want to see 66 versus uh, 59 where you just easily go down and score. I mean, that's just, I, I don't enjoy those games. I, always, I find myself walking away from those games and like finding something else to do for a little while and coming back and seeing how many more touchdowns there were. I mean, I, I love a good, uh, a good defense. And now Kansas City uh, doesn't have Chandler Jones anymore, but they still have some good defensive players. They're horrible against the run. Uh, and that's going to be a huge factor. I mean, there are areas of this game where the Browns have the advantage and they have the advantage in offensive line and running game against the Chiefs. And I think that's going to be huge.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to note that um, this is the highest over-under in Vegas, I believe, at 55 off the top of my head. So Dan, Vegas agrees with you. I, th- I think you're on to something here.
1: And I, and I think I would still take the over. Right. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Okay. I mean, I, I could see this this game where you know even if one team wins by like ten, I could see them being at like forty, and the other team being at thirty. And I, I'm with you, Mary Kay. I'm one of the I do get bored sometimes watching the the college games that are just like, you score now you score, and yeah. it, they do that for four hours. You know, I go back to that Chiefs Rams game. There were a lot of points in that game, but it was fun because there were defensive guys making plays yes. and, and making an impact on that game. So. Yeah, some, sometimes that Big 12 style of game can, can get a little bland. So, yeah, give me some big defensive plays on Sunday.
2: And, and you know, th- there is somebody coming back that I think is going to really want to make at, a couple of big defensive plays, and that's Denzel Ward. He's missed the last two games. And when he was playing and when he's healthy this season, uh, he's breaking up passes like crazy. I think his 18 uh, passes defensed are second in the NFL or tied for second in the NFL. And I mean, he's been locked down on his man and and he's just been tremendous. He didn't have enough interceptions or enough games played to make the Pro Bowl this year, but down for down, if you just put on his tape next to other good cornerbacks in the NFL this season, he is right up there. And I think he's going to come back as long as his body will allow it, as long as his lungs will allow it. He admitted today that he had a pretty bad bout with COVID so he, he might not be the Denzel that he was before, but if he's anything close to that, I think that, uh, I think he's going to make some big plays.
0: Yeah, it, it's a great point, Mary Kay. Much needed return of Denzel Ward. The Browns keep getting key pieces back. Bill Callahan returning. Uh, Kevin Spansky expected back tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is you know, you just never know every morning you prepare for anything, but uh, considering what they had last week, the, the Browns are getting back right at the perfect time.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, the other, the other piece of this too, is if I, if I'm Kansas city, I want to play fast and I want to have Denzel Ward <laughs> scare it out there for about 70 snaps and make those snaps as, as fast as, as possible. Mm-hmm. So again, I think Kansas city is probably going to try and score a bunch and the Browns certainly aren't, aren't shy to do that. Okay, so there we go. I think we've got you all feeling good about Sunday's divisional matchup between the Browns and Chiefs. Uh, if you're not subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, you should be because we've had a ton of pods go up already. Ellis mentioned, got to watch the tape coming on Friday as well. And also we're going to do our picks pod on Thursday night. We're going to do that live at seven. So if you want to get involved in that, you got to be a football insider. You got to get in on the texting. Uh, go to cleveland.com Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page there to check that out it should be fun as we will pick all four games and of course we'll spend tons of time talking about the browns and if we have time we'll we'll get to some questions too uh, live on our zoom so for ellis and mary cam dan thanks for listening everybody